Welcome back, Creatures of the Night, to episode 53 of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Zeman, and I want to welcome you back to another week of talking Undertaker merchandise, memories, and more. Of course, before we get started into episode, I please ask that you uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you get your preferred podcasts at. I am available on Apple, Google, uh Anchor, and everything else in between, so wherever you find me on your preferred podcast platform, please subscribe, and while you're doing that, leave me a five-star review if you can. It greatly helps out the podcast and spreads it to all the creatures of the night worldwide. And um, after you're done doing that, please make sure to follow me on social media. Subscribe to my YouTube channel at Collecting Dead Man. Follow me on Twitter at CollectUpDead. And on Instagram, at Collecting Dead Man. That's where you're able to find all the watch-along news, podcast show news, and Undertaker news, and everything else really in between. I retweet it, I post, and I upload all across my social media. Whenever something is important to me, I figure it's important to the rest of the creatures of the night as well. And just a little bit of podcast uh, news before we get started. A um, couple days ago, the newest chapter of the journey Keegan and myself are taking through the rivalry of Undertaker and Batista dropped as I brought you a double draw feature, which featured Backlash 2007, the last man standing match, and the classic steel cage match on SmackDown. Uh, both men took each other to the limit and fight to a draw in both classic matches. So it's only fitting that uh, Keegan and myself discussed both matches in a double feature as they both ended um, in a draw. But of course, if you remember, after that steel cage match, after Undertaker retained his World Heavyweight Championship, he was savagely attacked by Mark Henry, and then Edge um, cashed in his Money in the Bank contract, that iconic moment that they still relive to this day. Um, so that that breaks up the Undertaker-Batista rivalry until Cyber Sunday, which will be our next stop in this uh, journey to uh, looking back at this rivalry. Cyber Sunday, Undertaker and Batista battle it out once again for the World Heavyweight Championship with special guest referee Stone Cold Steve Austin. And... Um, Coming up this week, uh, Randy Turco and myself are scheduled to record our first installment in our look back at Undertaker's gimmick matches. And of course, as you heard last week, our first stop is Fully Loaded 1999, the first blood match. Uh, of course, I talked about briefly about this match last week, which came in at number 4 on my top 5 favorite Undertaker matches of all time. Uh, just talk about what that match means to me, why I go back and rewatch it so many times, why I consider it so fun and exciting. Well, Randy and I are going to be deep diving more into this match, watching this match together as we start the uh, our look back in our, at Undertaker's gimmick matches. So that's what we have scheduled coming up your way. Of course, the next watch along between myself and Canaanite 10 will be the Infernal match on Raw where Undertaker burns Stephanie's teddy bear. 
and the next watch along between Eamon and myself will be WrestleMania 31, the resurrection of The Undertaker as he takes on Bray Wyatt. But that is all for podcast news of the week. Let us get into Tales from the Grave where we have plenty of Undertaker news to talk about this week. Tales from the Grave. Now besides Undertaker news and Tales from the Grave, that's also where I talk about any Undertaker figure news or wrestling figure news in general, um, a favorite video game or Undertaker memory, and a favorite figure hunting memory to go along with that. So this week, before we get into the plethora of Undertaker news, start off with my favorite Undertaker memory. And since we are edging so close to WrestleMania, I figure it's only right to start talking about my favorite WrestleMania memories. And of course, I'll start off with my first WrestleMania, the first WrestleMania I ever saw live on pay-per-view, which was, of course, WrestleMania 15. Um, That was the first pay-per-view we ever ordered. Uh, the first pay-per-view that I got to saw Undertaker fight um, live at, at at home. Got to see this on pay-per-view uh, where he took on the big boss man in the Hell in a Cell match. Now, of course, it's not a match that people really look back on. It's not a match that people really enjoy. It's not really a match that I really re-watch unless I'm re-watching uh, Undertaker's WrestleMania matches or that WrestleMania 15 uh, as a whole. Because it doesn't really stand out. It's just a Hell in a Cell match, which I think that that match could have gone with like maybe a more hold, no holds barred theme or hardcore theme instead of the Hell in a Cell uh, stipulation. But because uh, he was just fighting the big boss man, it's not like he was taking on Shane McMahon in the Hell in a Cell uh, almost 15 years before he actually does take on Shane McMahon in a Hell in a Cell uh, or Vince McMahon even. Or even a um, someone like Kane in Hell in a Cell, another corporation member. He just takes on the big boss man. Uh, I guess this could have even worked in a steel cage match. But a Hell in a Cell match, especially at this time, uh, it was more used for like blood feuds. And this was, you know, it was just Undertaker, uh, Vince giving Undertaker the big boss man because he was the head of security for the corporation. So it could have done it with a more no-holds-barred theme. But, you know, as a kid, this is my first pay-per-view watching WrestleMania, the biggest pay-per-view for the company. So, of course, I was enthralled with it, the theatrics of the whole night. Uh, Of course, Rock and Stone Cold is the main event. Um, Big Show and Mankind. Uh, You got so many fun moments. Kane and Triple H, Shane McMahon and X-Pac. So many fun matches, so many fun moments. But, of course, we're here for The Undertaker. And seeing him... As at a WrestleMania entrance, a WrestleMania entrance that they uh, recreate, even though it's uh, a match that a lot of people don't really uh, praise well enough or look back enough at. Uh, it's a it's a WrestleMania where he wears that um, gothic entrance attire that he's at wearing wearing the on the Unforgiven paper, uh, poster. It's immortalized in the Titantron Live SmackDown Series 5 figure, the classic Superstars figure, the Mattel San Diego Comic-Con figure, the Mattel Defining Moments figure. It is the only time, the only pay-per-view that The Undertaker wears this gothic bat-style entrance attire with that uh, vest and chain link um, 
robe attached to it. This is the only pay-per-view he wears it in, and yet it's immortalized in five different figures. It's immortalized in every video game that he is as his Ministry of Darkness character. Most recently at WWE 2K22, the Ministry of Darkness um, attire is WrestleMania 15. Uh, WWE 12, SmackDown vs. Raw 2011. Every, every time that he is the Ministry of Darkness available in a video game, it is this attire. It's this type of Ministry of Darkness attire with the cut open TX. Um, it's also in WrestleMania 2000. Uh, like It's released like a few months after uh, this pay-per-view and they are able to get this attire into the video game. The, the cut open TX on his singlet. Uh, the spiked gothic style bat wing um, cloak with the chain link and the, the vest. It is so Ministry of Darkness. It captures your eye. It captures your attention um, just as uh, how sadistic and evil this character is supposed to be. Well, now he, you can see that as he walks down the entrance ramp. His entrance attire fits that character. And of course now he's got his goatee most uh, parted. So it's the double-edged goatee here at WrestleMania. It's just a it's just an awe-inspiring entrance. And just the all theatrics of his attire and his presentation here. That's what I remember most about this match. And of course the ending. Uh, of course hanging Big Boss Man with the help of the Brood and Paul Bearer. Raising the cell, hanging boss man with the, the as the lights go dark and the ministry theme music is playing in the background. Um, that's what I remember most about this match. That's what I remember most about this WrestleMania. Even as a kid, that image struck me uh, as being um, just that that just grabs you as a kid. Uh, you see, you know, this whole presentation of his entrance, and then after he wins and. Uh, he takes this, you know, sends this symbol to the corporation uh, even further about hanging the um, big boss man here. And of course, then after the matches, you know, I would talk, I think I talked about this briefly in another episode, is they also had the tie-in with the Home Shopping Network and QVC at this time, uh, especially at this WrestleMania. And I remember we had the TV in the living room going out, uh, I mean, um, having WrestleMania had the TV in the living room had WrestleMania on and then going out to our kitchen we had a smaller TV which we were watching the home shopping network on seeing if we wanted to order any t-shirts or memorabilia uh, from The Undertaker. I remember my dad getting the uh, uh, The Undertaker leader of the Ministry of Darkness t-shirt. I got a youth, uh, a youth kids Undertaker shirt I remember. Um, it's just fun. It was fun times to remember your first WrestleMania, whether it be live on pay-per-view or watching it live in the stadium. It's just fun to think about your WrestleMania memories. And be sure to tell me your first WrestleMania memories or your first Undertaker WrestleMania memories uh, in the Twitter comments or in the Instagram comments. I would love to hear them uh, because WrestleMania 15, that's why I always hold a special place in my heart. Even though it's not the best Undertaker match, it's one of his best WrestleMania entrances and one of his best uh, overall images that 
you know, it lasts with you all this time later of him hanging the boss man and, of course, that image of him entering the cell in that uh, winged cape. Um, it's just awe-inspiring. It's amazing to think about. And it's just fun to look back at. And uh, that is it. That is the memory for this week. My first WrestleMania memory, WrestleMania 15, and The Undertaker versus Big Boss Man, Hell in the Cell. So now we move on to the Taker news that has been happening in the past week or so. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention last week, which was talk, which was um, in the news last week, is that uh, WWE is going to have a new series coming soon to Peacock called WWE Evil. It is uh, narrated by John Cena and is a 10-part series looking back at the best heels and evil characters in WWE history. And of course, uh, Undertaker and Kane is a part of an episode called The Brothers of Destruction. Uh, it's going to be happening the fourth week. So the fourth episode of this new series is going to be dedicated to The Brothers of Destruction. Um, I can't wait for it any time they have new um, documentaries or new programs that deal with uh, The Undertaker or talk about The Undertaker. It's always fun to look back at and, and look forward to these type of uh, documentaries. Um, Kurt Angle says that The Undertaker taught him the most in-ring lessons when he came uh, when he first came to the WWE, uh, saying if it wasn't for The Undertaker, he felt like he had been lost in the shuffle, not knowing the right WWE way of doing things. Um, which, of course, goes back to being Undertaker, being a locker room leader, being there for new superstars, giving them sound advice. Um, which also we heard from Keith Lee over the weekend on an AEW podcast saying that Undertaker gave him the best advice uh, in his career, saying that whatever you do in a wrestling match, whatever you do in your career, uh, whether it be wrestling or something else, make sure to make a count. Make sure people remember you, make sure people know who you are, and to make everything you do count. And of course, Keith Lee saying that is the best advice he's ever gotten in his career, of course, it goes back to Undertaker being a mentor, being always there with a fountain of knowledge and helping people um, no matter what, no matter what they want to do in their life. He's there to give them sound advice. Damian Priest was asked what would he want as a favorite WrestleMania moment, and he always imagined a moment with The Undertaker, fighting at Undertaker at WrestleMania, uh, preferably for a world championship. Uh, he would have loved to share a WrestleMania moment with The Undertaker fighting for the title. And um, he w it sounds like he wanted to be the one to give Undertaker his first loss at WrestleMania. Uh, so it's, you know, P Undertaker holding that um, special place in people's hearts to always f look towards a WrestleMania moment with him st still speaks volumes to, his, um, to what he has done and accomplished in this industry. Um, Sheamus said that he believes Undertaker retired because he set such a high bar for himself and that uh, once Undertaker realized he can't reach that any longer that's why he thinks he has retired uh, saying that he would see Undertaker limp into arenas but go out there and perform crazy dives and stunts like a teenager. Again, showing how Undertaker put his body on the line for 30 years, no matter how it was feeling, just to give the fans 
at home and in the stadium, you know, something to look forward to, an Undertaker match, setting such a high bar for himself, risking it all and risking his body just to put on a great performance that people remember. Uh, again, speaks the testament to him. Um, and more, more Undertaker news about himself. Uh, Ryan Satan will be performing a uh, out of character interview for the WWE podcast, out of character podcast that should be dropping um, Monday the twenty first on Apple uh, podcast, Spotify, and on YouTube. So I'll be sure to be checking out that podcast interview and talking about this next week. Uh, those out-of-character podcasts, always fun to listen to, uh, getting uh, the knowledge of the character, getting knowledge of the person behind the character. So I'm looking forward to what kind of questions he would be posing towards The Undertaker and um, seeing Undertaker's responses and answers to some of the questions as well. So uh, looking forward to hearing that interview uh, this coming Monday. Uh, for WWE, Undertaker gave his prediction on the Reigns versus Lesnar WrestleMania match, saying that uh, he is a fan of both men. Uh, he likes the new personality out of Brock, see, seeing that uh, he can see that he's having fun with this new character change. Uh, he likes to see uh, Lesnar be more himself with the, what we're getting out of this new Brock. Uh, and he's so proud of Roman Reigns and what he's been able to accomplish saying that uh, he is how he's a top draw and uh, being able to hold the championship for so, so long is a testament to being able to get fans in the seats and sell tickets and being the face of the company. And uh, how he ended it was that he thinks Roman will be able to topple Brock in more of an upset uh, in the match. So we'll see how that match plays out as well, but we see how Undertaker feels the match will be going. Uh, and... Um, he also gave an interview with the Dallas Morning News where he discussed many interesting points such as he was offered the Hall of Fame induction back in 2015 um, saying that uh, he felt he had more to prove after the WrestleMania 30 match with Lesnar. Uh, he didn't want to be inducted into the Hall of Fame feeling like he had more matches in him, feeling he had more to give and especially he didn't want his last match to be something he couldn't remember which we've seen on the last ride. We've seen him talk about it in many interviews about his concussion, about him having to re-watch that match in order to remember it. And he felt like being uh, inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2015 was not the right time. And um, now he feels that uh, he can put a finality on that being inducted now. He's overwhelmed trying to put a speech together because he feels the pressure is like putting on a WrestleMania match, uh, giving a good performance for the audience. So we can see his mindset and getting a speech prepared, getting a speech ready that he wants to, that he puts it in uh, a WrestleMania match category, that he wants to give the fans a good performance out there, going to be uh, a good performance in his speech and giving them a lasting memory for this Hall of Fame induction. Uh, he feels that Michelle McCool, his wife, deserves the Hall of Fame in the future as well, talking about how she and Melina were reprimanded uh, for having such a good match and how he feels that was uh, uncalled for, especially in a time where women were trying so hard to break through and have good matches. 
and how she fought for the opportunities that the women are enjoying nowadays in the wrestling. Which I agree, especially uh, you have someone like Charmel going in the Hall of Fame this year, which didn't really have an impact in wrestling besides being King Booker's manager. Uh, where you have so many other people like Michelle McCool, like Melina, like Victoria, and even like Maurice, who deserve the Hall of Fame nod uh, for all that they have done. Um, even Mickey James as well. All they have done for the women superstars now are because of the women superstars in the past. And Michelle McCool and all the other women I named deserve it much more than some of the women that have gone in, um, especially Charmel this year. And finally, the last piece of news this this week is on Monday, April 4th, immediately after Raw at 11.30 p.m., WWE will be hosting a WrestleMania panel, uh, a part of a a weekend-long WrestleMania panels, but the last one will be with The Undertaker. So it'll be interesting to see what The Undertaker has to say at a WrestleMania panel a couple days after his Hall of Fame induction. Um, seeing what he has to say to the fans, answering fan questions apparently at this uh, type thing. So uh, if anything is reported about what he says or what is asked, I'll be sure to uh, talk about that the uh, the week of. Uh, but lots of, like I said, lots of Undertaker news and lots of interview news coming at us this week as we get closer and closer to his Hall of Fame induction and... Um, see what we have in store for us Wrestlemania weekend but that is it for Tales from the Grave and we move on to weekly purchases where we dig up the dead man welcome to weekly purchases this weekend weekly purchases is a very short weekly purchase but a very interesting one as well Uh, As you saw on my social media this past week, I talked about getting a very special piece of Undertaker and Bendham's merchandise. And that is a uh, a sealed baggy Bendham of the Series uh, 5 Bendhams. The pale skin Undertaker in the uh, Lord of Darkness attire. I found it on eBay and it was brought to my attention by my good friend Canaan Knight 10 uh, where it was just listed as Undertaker Mark Calloway uh, WWF Baggy Bendham. Uh, of course, you know, you're looking at the photo, it's like, could this could this even be bagged? Could it be just stuck in like a uh, uh, vacuum tight uh, Ziploc? It's like, you know, you're going into this, like, uh, what do they mean by sealed baggy? Because I didn't know of anything of any type of bagged exclusive um, Series 6 Undertaker Bendy. I think I said Series 5 earlier, but it's Series 6 um, of this Lord of Darkness Bendum. I, you know, I, nothing that he was in type, any type of mail away, any type of catalog. Um, they didn't, there was more of the micro Bendums, not the actual full size Bendums. So I decided to ask him a question. I decided to ask him, you know, how long have you had this type of item? How long, um, you know, where'd you acquire it? Does it have any backstory? And so he responded to me, and this is what he said. He said, yes, these are sealed. Uh, he also has a Stone Cold uh, Bendham as well listed. Uh, he said, my dad owned an optical eyeglass shop. I can't remember if WWE had launched an eyeglass line for kids back in the 90s, but that is the only thing I can think of. 
He has had posters and full-size cutouts of wrestlers, but he can't find any of those items. Uh, but he says that um, he, he thinks that this is tied to a WWF launching of an eyeglass line for the kids. And that he's going to keep looking for the posters and full-size cutouts. But so far, no luck with that. Uh, but that's the only thing that he can think of this being tied to. Um, so, of course, that was good enough for me. I, I He had two available. I bought both of them. Uh, because this is something that I probably would never see again. And once you're handed an opportunity like this, you take it for your collection. Um, I think this may have something to do with the WWF sunglasses. Um, that I think that was happened. I talked about a couple weeks ago the sunglass line, which had Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Undertaker as a part of these sunglasses being on the sunglass lens as well. So it was very interesting that they would, that Just Toys and WWF would give this uh, optical shop uh, posters, full size cutouts. And these bagged exclusives to hand out to these kids uh, if we're purchasing uh, whether it be eyeglasses or sunglasses as a part of this promotion and I got the Bendems um, they are fully sealed they have they are sealed um, professionally sealed as if it came from a factory um, it has the uh, the ceiling at the top um, so these are definitely legit and it is so cool to have a story to go along with this item in my collection. That this bagged Undertaker Bendum, uh, and uh, he has Stone Cold listed as well. So if you're a Stone Cold collector or a Bendum's collector, I would definitely suggest you buying the Stone Cold Steve Austin ones from this uh, eBay seller. The eBay seller is Li uh, Line Creek Boutique. Uh, so if they still have it available as of this recording, I definitely recommend you either making an offer or buying them because this is super rare. I have never heard anything about this mentioned. I've never seen anything about this pop up about on eBay or Facebook groups before. So I am very happy to add this to my collection this week as a part. A. It's a fun part of... Uh, this collecting process is finding things you didn't know existed and also finding stories to go along with these products and just thinking about WWF having a um, sunglasses or eyeglass promotion and having sort of like a display in this eyeglass optical shop about the posters and the cutouts and here's some bendums that's so cool to think about and just goes to show about how overproduced these things probably were that you're just giving them away at this point. But that is it for weekly purchases uh, for this week. I figured that you know, it was awesome to talk about. It was awesome to enter my collection this week. And um, I hope I find more things like this, more things with these fun stories that I didn't think existed. And then you find out that they had these promotions, these weird oddball promotions back in the 90s that this small eyeglass optical shop got bendums, uh, sealed uh, baggy bendums that uh, probably survived like, many moves. Uh, and um, you don't know how many different uh, garage sale days that this mess have survived. Uh, so that's cool to have a fun story to go along with that. Uh, but that is it for weekly purchases, and we move right on to Taker's Mark, 
where I continue my top 5 countdown of favorite Undertaker matches. Taker's Mark. Now as I continue this 5 week countdown of my favorite Undertaker matches, just want to give you a quick rundown of the matches we already talked about. Number 5 of course was WrestleMania 13 where the Dark Days reigned supreme and The Undertaker defeated Psycho Sid for his second uh, WWE Championship in Chicago, Illinois. Um, talked about how special that means to me and those memories of always watching that match back. Uh, match number 4 was of course Fully Loaded 1999, the first blood match. Uh, which I'll talk more about with Randy as we watch that match back this week. So we are on to uh, week number three. And number three is Undertaker versus Edge, SummerSlam 2008, Hell in a Cell. And the reason why this is one of my favorite Undertaker matches and why I always watch it back is because of a lot of things. Number one, the chemistry that he has with Edge. Much like Randy Orton and Batista, one of the best Undertaker rivalries he's had in the 2000s. The chemistry is amazing, how they work well together, and also the story, the storytelling. The storytelling in this match is um, something I have not seen in such a long time in matches, and something, again, that probably won't be seen until uh, his match with Triple H, the end of an era Hell in the Cell match that we get four years later. It's amazing storytelling what they tell in this match. It goes through everything that Undertaker gives Edge, everything that Edge gave Undertaker in this whole entire rivalry. Edge cost Undertaker uh, the heavyweight championship with not only a spear but a camera. Undertaker makes sure to hit Edge with a camera and a spear in this match. He puts him through tables like he was put through tables. He gives him a concerto like Undertaker was given concertos. The storytelling is amazing. And of course those ending moments of him throwing Edge through the ring canvas. Sending him you know, to hell as he promised he was going to do. Um, just that lasting image of Undertaker kneeling, behind, kneeling in front of the hole and the fire shooting out of it. Um, it's amazing. I, I just I can't say enough good things about this match. I love rewatching it. I have rewatched it with as as a part of a watch along with Keegan to look back at this uh, match because it's so much fun. It's so much fun in a card that is really lackluster. Uh, you got I think Triple H versus Great Kali for the championship. You got Shawn Michaels I think versus JBL or. JBL versus Batista or something like that. You have Undertaker and Edge closing out the show. Hell in the Cell match. The storytelling, like I said, I, I you don't really see it again until the end of an era match. But much like this match, they give you everything in that match. They hearken back to every Michaels match and Triple H match with Undertaker. And they give you that closing moments of them uh, uh, holding each other at the top ramp. Great match as well, but the Undertaker Edge SummerSlam 2008 Hell in the Cell match. I love how well they work together. I love the storytelling, and I just love and the way they break through the cell. Um, you know, they don't go through the door. They don't break through the door. They break through a side of the cell. They 
under Edge puts Undertaker through an announce table. Uh, it's just great hardcore action inside the cell and outside the cell. Um, and the mo- um, moment of him tossing Edge through those stacked up tables, you know, it can you it you're faced with the dilemma if it can go really either way. You don't know if Undertaker is gonna get his revenge in this match. You don't know if it's going to go the way you really want it to go. You really want to see Undertaker beat the crap out of Edge here. Because this is August of 2008. This rivalry has been going on for almost a year. You really want Undertaker to get his revenge. Especially after being screwed so many times. But Edge really gives it to Undertaker in this match. Edge really has Undertaker's numbers so many times. Reversing and countering. And hitting him with different types of weapons and environment pieces that Undertaker has to counter and react and really t- uh, beat Edge at his own game, turn Edge against himself and become more like Edge than uh, less like Undertaker in order to defeat Edge himself. And it's a fun match. Definitely go back and rewatch that. Um, as we uh, inch closer and closer to... Uh, Number one, of course, we have uh, my second favorite match next week. And then my number one favorite Undertaker match of all time will be dropping Friday, April 1st, the same day as his Hall of Fame induction. And not only that, um, if you have not yet sent in your Thank You Taker videos to the Talking Taker guys, they are doing a very special uh, Undertaker Hall of Fame episode dropping April 1st as well. Getting all the creatures of the night together to send in a video thanking The Undertaker for his career and what he has meant to them in your own life. So definitely send a special video. I have already done it in order to be able to be included in that very special episode. So now let's move on to the final part of today's episode, um, Buried Alive. One of my favorite segments as I... uh, Dig up a weird or what the F piece of Undertaker merchandise and end up bearing it alive. Now, this week on Buried Alive, I am digging up the Jax face flipping fighters uh, Undertaker figure. Now the reason why this is being dug up this week is because so many different things going on in this figure and so many weird choices for this particular Undertaker uh, figure as well. Uh, first of all, just looking at the box, um, it's you get Undertaker's promo shot in the uh, top right corner, but as opposed to what we get with the deluxe aggressions, because in the deluxe aggression figures, you know, you get to you get those three sets of photos with your actual figure you're getting. But in this type of figure, you get three different photos of Chris Benoit. And it's like that on every face flipping fighter figure. If you want to get John Cena, you see Chris you see um, Chris Benoit on the side showing how to f- make the figure work. They're making the figure work with Chris Benoit. On Triple H, it's Chris Benoit. It's Chris Benoit in every package showing how this figure works instead of using the actual figure you're getting. So that's kind of what the F is going on here. And 
so you get the Undertaker promo shot to get the Undertaker figure, but you get a Chris Benoit how-to photos instead of Undertaker how-to photos. Um, you get an Undertaker figure without a shirt on, which is very interesting. It's an interesting uh, decision here for this face-flipping fighters. Uh, he is shirtless with his BSK tattoo exposed. Uh, he's got his black tights with the TX symbols, which is very nice. But I found it very odd that they chose to go the no shirt route. I don't know if this is because maybe everybody else in this line has no shirt. So instead of molding on a black tank top or painting on a black tank top, they just said, ah, screw it, we'll just use the same torso for everybody. Uh, which sounds like that, so Jax. But it's, you know, kind of an odd uh, choice to go, you know, of all the figures to choose Undertaker to go with no shirt, they choose the uh, uh, face-flipping fighter figure. Of course, you got the Undertaker's arms, you got his gloves, you got his tattoos here. You get his Sarah neck tattoo, and like I said, the BSK tattoo. Very good. And the Undertaker's head flips to the eyes rolled back and the tongue out. So that's, that's a great uh, action to have here for the Undertaker. You get the stoic Undertaker head, and then you get the eyes rolled back with the tongue out. It's a amazing feature. Uh, I just feel like maybe they could have done this a little differently instead of being a face-flipping action. Maybe they could have done this like a, a deluxe aggression type figure where they could have had interchangeable heads. Uh, but this is very gimmicky of, you know, uh, squeezing the legs together and the head flips. You know, you're always scared that maybe the head's going to get stuck um, midway through and you're not going to be able to have either head pop up so the figure could break easily. Um, but again, I think the, the most weird pieces here is, of course... Um, the Chris Benoit how-to pictures instead of an Undertaker how-to pictures and uh, Undertaker without a shirt or singlet. I, you know, if you're going for classic feel of the Undertaker, you really want to have Undertaker in that black singlet. You really want to have him have his wrestling attire on because he doesn't wrestle without a shirt. He pulls down the straps near the end of the match. He pulls down the straps even at the end of the match. But even... Back then, like 2004, 2005, he was not pulling them down midway through. He was pulling them down at the end of the match, after he has won. That's really when he pulled down these straps. So really to have Undertaker without the straps, to be completely shirtless in a figure, especially around this time frame, just an odd choice, you know. Not not a choice that I uh, disagree with, because it's, it's cool to have something different. But for just on a normal figure to be on display in a collection, it's something you really wish that, you know, maybe The Undertaker would have had his traditional attire on. Uh, but that is it. That is Buried Alive for this week. And that completes episode 53 of the Collecting Dead Man podcast. Please make sure to um, subscribe to this podcast and leave me a five-star review. Check out the Watch Along episodes on YouTube and on this podcast platform. And make sure to follow me on Instagram at Collecting Dead Man and on Twitter at Collect Up Dead. And I will be here next week, same taker time, same taker channel. As I keep saying, creatures of the night, keep on rolling, baby. Until next time. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of Collecting Dead Man. Please continue to subscribe and leave us a five-star review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at Collect Up Dead. 
and on Instagram at Collecting Dead Man. Check out my Linktree page so you can find the links to all my merchandise stores, where you can find wherever this podcast is available, and where you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Hit the like button and subscribe there as well. Please continue to support this podcast in any way you can. And until next week, Creatures of the Night, keep on rolling.